You are listening to Omnus Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnus, and I'm here with Nate, a.k.a. Ghost Deer of Alfredo's Size 3 Taco Truck, a Marvel Crisis Protocol podcast. What's going on, Nate? Hey, doing well. Yeah, excited to be back and excited to be on a podcast where I can talk about a faction that isn't S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> so I got to tell you, I, I read a, an article yesterday that was like making some jokes about Benedict Cumberbatch and was like intentionally messing up his name uh, mm-hmm. all throughout it. And I was really mm-hmm. tempted to like throughout this podcast to just like intentionally misname <laughs> you and be like, all right. Uh, so what do you think on this spooky stag? Um, all right. Ghastly elk. <laughs> And uh, yeah. you know, just like kind of go through, but uh, I-, I wasn't sure how many people would get it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but anyway, man, I'm glad to have you back. I'm glad to uh, dojo some stuff with you. So you've been you've been playing X Men mostly since Adepticon, pretty much. Yeah. So after well, so after Adepticon, there was some revisions to the Guardians roster that I was playing around with, and then also just kind of. Um, experimenting with other factions since I've been playing nothing but guardians for a long time. Um, what really kind of cemented things for me was actually uh, the new challenger format and the card rotation. Uh, I think with the loss of specifically field dressing, the type of guardians I enjoyed playing where you were trying to go very wide while still going for attrition got significantly worse. Um, I still think there are builds of Guardians where you take, like, the Reality Space Thanos Guardians, or you take, like, the one very big model and kind of build around that and deliver that, or, like, Hulk Guardians can still have a lot of game to them, but I found those less interesting and the loss of flexibility less interesting, so I kind of jumped ship for something else uh, and kind of looking around and testing stuff out, uh, X-Men jumped out to me first as a new good home, right? I do think X-Men are starting to finally be appropriately rated as a very, very good faction. Uh, I still think they're undersold a little bit on podcasts and groups that aren't this one. Um, (laughs) And people just kind of don't understand the full depth of how good they are. And the other motivating factor for me specifically with them was that um, my local scene keeps getting bigger and bigger. And all of my locals just really like murder and nothing but murder. And so I wanted to make sure if I was going to branch out into something, it would be a faction that can win without having to go to murder as plan A every single time to kind of show them that there's more out there besides punching things in the face. Yeah, that can definitely be a thing. I th- I mean, I think you're probably not unique in the sense because I feel like my meta can be that way too, where there's a lot of there's a lot of players that will just gravitate towards factions that play the middle brawl, and it can very mm-hmm. easily if like everyone's playing that, you just can show up to the table like, oh well, you're playing single extracts, I'm playing single extracts. <laughs> We've got gamma demon intrusions. Like the the priority role almost doesn't matter, you know. In its yeah. Mm-hmm. And then people aren't experiencing the full breadth of the game. Not that there's anything wrong with having that be your strategy, but it's it's certainly more fun when a when a community is utilizing as many of the as many of the crisis cards as possible and the different layouts. Like, man, I was just super excited listening to the last across the Bifrost, and they were talking about the um, the the team format that Pat mm, recently mm-hmm. played in. Yeah. And how they had to have all the crisis cards used across their team and like how, you know, you kind of could play on just about anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just really good for players who are kind of pushing the competitive scene to experience 
all the crisis cards. So props to you for trying to represent your community. I know the, I know the murder train is still a fun one for you. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I think you said it well, right? We're like, there are people who only just want to do the brawls in the middle and there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, my LVO and Adepticon rosters were all about brawling in the middle. And I enjoyed that. But uh, when you pointed out, it's like, if you and your opponent have the same six crisis or like five of the same six crisis every time you line up, I just got kind of bored of that amount of repetition, right? I think the murder brawl is interesting as one way to play MCP, and I enjoy that. But one of the things I like about X-Men um, is that they can interact with all parts of the game, right? You can build X-Men squads that will fight you in the middle, uh, you can build X-Men squads that are focused on scenario, right? You can, to some extent, do all of this in the same roster. And I just enjoyed seeing seeing and playing more of Marvel than just the central brawl. But I don't want people to think that I don't like punching stuff in the face because I enjoy punching <laughs> stuff in the face. Well, I think one of the nice things about X-Men, like people will commonly like, oh, well, if you're playing this pacifist, why don't you play Web Warriors? Mm -hmm. I think one of the things I like about X-Men so much is that like when you have to brawl, when the situation gets to the point where you're like, to win this game, this character has to get dazed or this character has to get KO'd or I need to get, you know, when you have to do something like that, X-Men are still bringing lots of options mm -hmm. that facilitate that decision. So it's not like, oh, well, I'm hitting with, you know, you know, four dice, no reroll attacks, hoping to daze someone like, man, you know, sometimes just having a war machine go one on one with someone and you're like, I need this character to get dazed to to stay in this game. And you're just like, mm -hmm. I have just no way of helping him. Yeah, um, I think, you know, because I did look at Web Warriors, right? I've played against Web Warriors a lot and thought about that. But like if you talk about worst case scenarios, which has been a lot of my testing in X-Men, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, has been testing kind of the worst case scenarios. Um, something like Demon's Hammers, which is my slowest scoring extract and a uh, secure that I'm not super excited to play. Something like that for Web Warriors is a nightmare, right? Like having to deal with just hammers for points, basically, because you never want to get incinerated. Uh, your opponent getting hammers to hit you harder. It's... It's real difficult, right? But with X-Men, you can bring a squad that's plenty happy. You know, they're not the best at it, but they're happy to have that fight in the middle of the table uh, and can win that. And that's really why I decided to go with X-Men over something like Web Warriors, because they do have that flexibility to when somebody challenges them to a fight, they can rise to that challenge in a way that some of the other control teams can't. Yeah, totally fair. Um, I was curious, was there anything specific about X-Men, like playing X-Men, that made you go, okay, this is something I want to dive into more? I know you already mentioned that, like, just being able to play a little different game than all of your other locals is important. But I was wondering if there's anything about playing X-Men, you're like, all right, this is, this is, what, uh, this is what grabs me. Yeah, um, I, so the things I enjoyed about X-Men is um, I'm bringing a lot of the control pieces, right? Um, I think Beast is super fun to play and gets a bad rap. I think Gambit is super fun to play and gets a bad rap. Um, and I having those games where you get a pay to flip with a live extract and you get to play first class and you just, your first turn is so much fun, right? Um, I think one of the biggest strengths of X-Men is if like set up and played correctly, 
somewhat regardless of the situation, they should start in the lead. Um, between first class, between the storm hops, between uh, your ability to do work on the first turn, uh, they're very good at starting out to either attrition lead or a scenario lead or both, um, depending on circumstances. And I liked that feeling of just kind of immediately launching into the driver's seat of the game. And then it's kind of up to you to keep that lead going through, I think, largely smart defensive play. You know what I mean? I think a lot of like when X-Men are working in their ideal situations, they launch out to an early lead and then they play smart and defensively to keep that lead until the end of the game. Uh, And this is like somewhat tangential to the point. um, But I think defensive play is more interesting in Marvel than offensive play. Uh, It's something I also noticed when I was, uh, Vince convinced me to play some games of shield where like offensively, especially now, you don't tend to have a lot of levers or decisions in what you're going to do. Uh, It's usually fairly obvious that like, oh, this character is in range to punch this person. He's going to do that and try to get them off the point. And whether or not they do, you change your future plans, but like your immediate decision making is usually pretty simple. Where if you're trying to play defensively uh, using stuff like sacrifice or escort to safety or eye in the sky um, or just defensive control tools like throws and pushes away, there's a lot more, in my mind, interesting decisions to make when you're playing defensively. And I found that to be fairly refreshing after playing guardians, which is the like polar opposite of that. Yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. And uh, for the listeners, it's not that Nate here is trying to like rag on offensive play, but there is a reality that like often, if you're trying to like throw someone and deal damage, you're going, okay, well, here's the terrain. I'm going to throw it at the, that. So they take damage. But when you're playing defensively, you're like, well, which direction do I want to throw him? Like in it, all of those little things matter quite a bit. You're like, okay, this character is going to move away. Do I move towards this crisis? Do I move towards this crisis? Do I move completely off? There's a lot more decision points when you're making a defensive just decision. So I, I 100% agree, Nate. Yeah, yeah. From there, um, have you kind of established your X-Men core so far? Uh, I think so, but now I'm waffling on a point. So when I started with the roster, I largely started from what you had done with Adepticon, right? Um, And I think, uh, so I think like picking your secures for X-Men is fairly straightforward in that you should always take Spider Portals, you should always take Mutant Madman, and then you have a personal preference choice between Meteors and Sword. Um, And it would be very hard to convince me not to start from three of those four as a baseline. And then for the roster, um, you want, obviously you take Storm, uh, you take some number of the good X-Men threes, right? Um, the ones I like, Beast and Domino, but I usually only take three of those four uh, and I'm starting to waffle on that choice, which we can talk about. And then... <laughs> I'm right there with you on that <laughs> one. Uh, it's like, I was curious if you're on the same page as me, like X 23 is the one that's like basically a requirement for me. That slot really isn't in contest, Correct. but I could see the argument for dropping any of the other three. And each one Mm -hmm. of those decisions is painful as hell. Yeah. 100% agree with you. Um, X 23 is just, X 23 is just kind of a busted model, right? Um, It's really hard not to value what she does. And, um, 
she has the advantage of being like hyper focused in a way the other threes kind of aren't like beast and gambit are kind of just good all-rounders which is part of why i really like them um but having x23 as kind of like you said sometimes you need to kill a person and it's hard to ask for a better killer than x23 uh and so she ends up making a lot of rosters as just being that piece that when murder needs to happen i can apply x23 well in addition to that sometimes you get cubes and yeah. like <laughs> when i get to play games where x23 like i'm like okay well she'll bounce off of beast she'll grab the center cube because of first class and then she'll back up and she'll grab another cube yep and she's got exceptional healing so the chances of her dying and then she's just healing back to cube damage every turn like it feels patently unfair at times and then when someone actually does come after her and like finally gets her down and then gets the cube, she's like, cool, I'll just kill you and take them back. Yeah. And like the other thing too, that really locks in X23 for me is that I've been playing a lot of Baron Moto as one of my unaffiliated slots. Yep. Uh, and those two are such a good buddy pair, right? Uh, she takes extra dice so well, she immediately negates the penalty of the damage for getting those extra dice with her healing factor. Uh, she loves having that big base to hop off of. Um, I've been a big fan of playing Mordo in X-Men. I think he helps out a lot. And X-23 is kind of like his best friend. So uh, because of him in particular, there's no way X-23 ever leaves my roster. Yeah, that makes sense. I haven't personally played Mordo in there, but I think it was something I was... Um... I was throwing around some builds in my head where I wanted to still play six wide at 18. And I was thinking about what characters I could put in like Ronan or Mordo that would have the four energy to potentially like flip the portal on my opponent's side yep. while still like keeping this really wide team. And so he was like very high up on the list. And I think it was actually an episode where you were on Lexa's show, the Morlocks and you were talking about Mordo, um, and that was one of the things that got me thinking about the X-23 Mordo interactions. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you're experimenting with that because I think that's a very, very valid direction for them. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that kind of sealed up Mordo for me, right? So like I have functionally very close to like the squads you were playing for like Madman and Spider Portals, right? Um, I ended up having, currently I've cut Black Panther and just kind of used Rogue in that spot who's a good enough replacement while not being as good as Panther. Um, but like my squads for when I win priority are very similar to what you and other X-Men players have been doing. And like the vast majority of my testing has been what happens if I lose priority? Right. Um, Cause yeah. that's where I think there's a lot more space and experimentation that can and should happen with X-Men. And what I have found has worked super well um, is a combination of Mordo and advanced R and D. Um, I do think, you know, I know a lot of people have moved away from advanced R and D with it being restricted. Um, and I was hesitant to keep it in there because I really miss having sacrifice because sacrifice is so much fun. Um, but Mordo being able to turn one, walk up uh, to be a storm hop for X-23 and generate power, play advanced R&D. Um, and then with my current list, I will give one power to X-23, one power to Medusa, and one power to Rogue, right? Because my standard 17 would be storm X-23, Mordo, Medusa, Rogue. And with that R&D, your turn one output is insane, Right, so X23 can hop off of Mortar's base, be in range to spender the midline with um, 
spend to the midline, advance forward, strike a second time. So she gets a full turn hitting whoever came to the center. Medusa can walk in front of Rogue, use Royal Decree to move her up, and then go stand somewhere useful or make an attack if they're playing real aggressive. And then Rogue is like halfway towards the midline with charge online. So she'll get to charge forward, hit someone, hit them a second time, maybe throw something, maybe drain them. But like on something like Researcher or Gamma, when they put valuable stuff in the center, I get a full turn of attacking with X-23 and Rogue right at the start of the game. And that's been incredible. Yeah, uh, I love it. There's more and more. So as much as I'm like traditionally a dual affiliation roster at heart where I like to have the multi-thread options, I think X-Men really move into this category where the leadership is still really, really good in basically all situations. Yes. And like your ability to use that hop to generate really strong immediate damage. Mm -hmm. There are there are such like. I've been playing around with just like put, making Modoc my last slot and being like, all right, if you mm -hmm. want to put me on a on an E, that's fine, but I'm gonna Modoc's gonna double attack you and throw and bow you round one. Like, if you're cool, if you're cool with that, then let's do it. Like, I just want yeah. you to know that that's what's coming, and um, <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> like, and so it, it's really interesting to me that you know we've got this affiliation that not that long ago people thought was bad and people are coming around on it. And even even Strike Better kind of begrudgingly was like, and I think even <laughs> X-Men's in the top tier because they were just kind of looking at the most played affiliations. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it uh, I think when Morgan said it, there was like this like just hint of skepticism, but mm -hmm. was like was feeling it. So respect to Morgan for um, uh, for, you know, backing up X-Men a bit. Um, but man, like they really feel like they may not need. Uh, a second affiliation and they're just like it's so easy to splash like one or two things and like create this whole additional plan that's kind of nuts yeah for sure um and so like as i've always been a proponent of single affiliation in like 95 percent of cases um i think the concept and discussion between single and dual gets muddier as they keep adding more and more good second leaders right because it's like the criminal syndicate kingpin shadowland daredevil kind of feels like a dual affiliation roster sometimes but it isn't um you know what I mean? if we take that term literally it's a single yeah. affiliation but those two guys are doing such different things it kind of feels like a dual and yeah, so that really is kind yeah. of its own and i think i'm at the <laughs> point now that dual affiliation and dual leader are really practically the same thing they just you know some people are more more willing to play dual leader than dual affiliation because they're like this is my team i want to play brotherhood i love mutants and so they'll play multi-leader and occasionally play mystique but the idea of like splashing storm even though they have gambit and rogue and you know could easily play x-men no problem they just won't do it yeah um and then with x-men it's just like we're finally actually now spoiled for choices, right? Like a lot of, I think, X-Men's more recent success is they keep getting more and more good new releases, right? Uh, I think everyone agrees X-23 is a great model. Uh, so getting X-23 has been a huge help. I think most people understand that Rogue is a great model and having Rogue has been a big help. Uh, I, you and I are still working hard to convince everyone that Gambit is a good model. Yeah, uh, that's still a fight that's happening, but Gambit is a very good model. Uh, and so, 
my roster already feels so strapped for choice that I can't imagine trying to find room for a second affiliation. Uh, it might be a different story if Cyclops's leadership wasn't the worst in the game. Uh, but since it is the worst in the game, we can pretty quickly just kind of skip past that and just like, no, you know what? Storm is good enough in every situation that I never like, I never feel bad about having her leadership, right? Um, there's no situation where I'm like, eh, man, my leadership's really not going to help me out much this game. That just isn't true. Yes, that just doesn't that just doesn't come up. Like I, I'm not even sure X Men leadership is actually okay. Like I kind of miss <laughs> this may be like old school MCP Charles talking, but I kind of miss the days where like grabbing the center extract was like this risky maneuver that you were like, man, is this the right time to do it? Am I just going to lose this character? You know, um, and like with X Men, it's just like, oh no, I'm I'm always going to take it. Like sometimes with a two threat, I don't care. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think there's just like the arms race for dealing with center extracts has gotten so high, right? Um, pretty much, honestly, since like the release of Deception uh, kind of changed my mind on that being interesting. Um, where like before, you know, putting someone in the center, there was this interesting tension on like, okay, how many attacks are they going to be able to make? Will they be able to make those attacks while still standing on the secure and getting profit that way? Um, but with Deception and a caveat that like, so many of my locals are either playing Brotherhood or splashing Mystique. I have Mystiques everywhere. And so with Deception, that whole thing just gets thrown out the window and I think isn't that interesting. Because if you go and touch the center, they're just going to Deception you in and attack you very profitably from very safe and smart locations. Uh, so I well, don't feel bad at all. Now. So like, oh, yeah. even that like is kind of like isn't always going to work. Yeah. Um, so just like with there being more and more ways to punish you for getting the center extract um, and there being more models like Angela and Amazing who you can go get it safely, I don't feel bad at all uh, having a cons very safe and consistent way of getting the center and leaving. I think the, the feeling that I've gotten to is like, so obviously X-Men are great on pay to flips, mm -hmm. but the last game I played, um, I was showing someone how X-Men work. And fundamentally, we played Mutant Mad Men, and I think it was Spider-Infected was, mm -hmm. I think, the, the matchup. Sounds right. And basically, the game, the game came down to, I got the center extract and held it. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that was it. And that's actually a fair amount of games go that way, is that X-Men grab the center, back up, and then can keep parity on the secures pretty reasonably. Yeah. All throughout the game. And... And it's just kind of like, is that is that too good? I don't know. I mean, I yeah, I guess there's a question of like overall game health there, but I don't think X Men are because like that same game plan is largely what like Vince is doing with Shield, where he's using the Grunts and Fury to get one of the extracts safely, and then doing good work on the secures and using the Shield leadership so that if he goes down by one, he'll make up that point eventually, um, and we'll win the game out in a very similar play pattern to what we're doing with X-Men. And yeah. so, I don't, you know, there's a question if AMG thinks it's a problem, but if it is, it's more than just X-Men they're going to have to touch to fix that up, right? So... Yeah, um, probably true. I mean, yeah, I, I think in the grand scheme, it was just like, if I had the decision of, like, should Angela and Amazing Spider-Man and Storm <laughs> exist... I think my heart says no as much as I love playing. <laughs> um, but back to the dual yeah. affiliation talk. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm still playing Black Panther. I think he's a god. 
And there's a true threat spot that I prefer Toad, but could easily be Okoye. And so if I can just make one room, if I can just make room for Shuri, right? Then that like gives me like a Wakanda option versus like say criminal syndicate on um, scoundrels or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still like, I always debate him. Like, even though it's literally like one tactics card and one character, I'm still like, but X-Men are so good all the time. Do I even <laughs> need this? Like, is it advantageous for my roster, even with as minimal or like, I have like, oh, I'm playing Toad and Rogue and Gambit. And like, can I splash Magneto? Does that actually make the roster better? I don't think so. And yeah, it's it's an interesting, even with how easy it would be to add a second affiliation, I'm not sure X-Men need it. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think what you end up giving up when you do that kind of duel is that like a lot of times what really pushes an affiliation over the edge is what unaffiliated choices they're making, right? Like in my case, both Mordo and Medusa uh, are unlocking some real nasty stuff that is not like inherently part of X-Men. And so my choice is, do I want that nasty stuff or do I want to play a Brotherhood list that might be missing its own kind of like nasty splash tech, right? And you're just kind of like, you're combining vanilla X-Men with vanilla Brotherhood where I'm more interested in having vanilla X-Men plus spicy X-Men. <laughs> exactly. Um, so curious, did you are you playing a five threat at all? Uh, I am. So my last slot right now is Juggernaut, um, mostly because I I wanted a five, and I wanted a five who was good on spider portals, right? Uh, someone yep. who theoretically threatens their back point um, and is can be a part of the normal spider portals plan when I only want to go five wide. Um, I'm not married to juggernaut for this spot uh, i could very easily be swayed to put a lot of other fives in here um it's just that juggernaut is one i own uh and has you know he's very good at spider portals right uh, i don't think anybody can shake a stick at his ability to just quick silver around the table zoom around and flip a whole bunch of points yeah and can often knock people off the points at the same time yep and he also adds some nice synergy since you're already running cubes. He's a great cube holder in general. Yep. And it's really cool when you're like playing X23. Uh, cool for us, not cool for everyone else. <laughs> but like when you're playing cubes and you're like, well, X23 is healing back the cube damage and Jugs has taken one over three turns because he's ignored the rest. Yep. You know, and you're just like, I know you're taking cube damage, which is fine <laughs> for me. But no, X-Men doesn't, we don't adhere to the normal rules of gameplay. It's it's fun. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I sure. think when you can when you can get that kind of advantage, like it's almost hard for me to approach playing cubes in other teams that can't just heal back the damage. Where I, like sometimes I'll make suggestions to people, I'm like you know you could you could splash X twenty three, and they're like oh, I don't know if I get enough. I don't like, but you're you're playing cubes, don't you want to just like ignore the downsides of that crisis and still have a great character? And it's just like X, you know, X Men don't even really have to make that sacrifice. We're just like the characters we already want already, you know, abuse this. It's fine. 
Yeah, I was playing uh, some Shield games with Vince's roster that has cubes in it, and it's a very different experience, where I think they are legitimately good at cubes, but they're playing a bunch of, like, three threats and two threats that have five health, and the game gets really spooky as it goes on, as that cube damage starts racking up, uh, and it was a very eye-opening experience comparing it to, like you said, playing X-Men, where so often it's just like, oh, there's no consequences. I don't have yeah. downsides. It's great. Yeah, it's totally fine. It's like, I'm, we're practically playing Spider-Infected, but I get extra power. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh-huh. um, yeah, okay, I like it. Um, yeah, I think for for listeners, um, obviously, I think the, the episode and my list from Adepticon probably get the most attention, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best version. I think Corvus with Reality is still, like, an absolutely viable pick, even if, you know, you want to, you know, potentially like lose that restricted slot to play the reality gem. He's still very good in there, but jugs, Dr. Strange, I think Loki with mind gem there, there are other five threats that fill that spot. Or, I mean, you can play like Ronan or Mordo and like play a, a, four, a three or a four that kind of does what you want on um, spider portals too. That's why I was asking Nate, like, are you even, are you even running a five still? Um, but that is, we agree. That's the spot that I like the five for the most. Yeah. Um, I know you were testing Hulkbuster off and on, um, mm-hmm. and I've liked it. And like um, my co-host Danny recently lost a game to X-Men, which was playing <laughs> X-Men plus Hulkbuster. And he was like, Hulkbuster is a big problem for Brotherhood. Yeah. Um, I So he's not – he currently just left the roster uh, but could come back at any moment. Uh, he does very well. Uh, he loves the storm hop. He's very good turn one. You can like storm hop him into the middle of the table, like contesting the center point, and he can start shooting uh, immediately, right? And so like his impact can be felt really quickly. Um, it's very good into the right circumstances, right? Um, he's a very much a finesse piece, right? You do have to be careful when you commit him to the center that you don't overextend him because he will get blown up. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like the way you had to play pre-buff Hulk where people were like, oh, I just want to throw Hulk in the middle of the table. And it's like, that's a really good way to lose your Hulk and feel bad. Yes. Um, so he has a finesse piece, but if you have the reps with him, uh, he can be quite useful. But what ended up for me is that um, the, you know, I was really only playing him when I would lose Pryo and be forced into more central crises. And I was getting more success out of the Medusa Rogue kind of line of play than I was Hulkbuster. And I also needed room in my roster to put in Nick Fury, uh, which has been like kind of the most recent addition. And Nick Ooh, Fury in X-Men is real stupid. <laughs> yeah, I've I've thought about all the different lines that happen when you when you have a grunt character and you can like set up <laughs> hops for your own character and it's it's definitely been on my radar, but I haven't played it. So how how what have you thought of Fury so far? Yeah, so after playing those games with Shield, my take was like, man, Fury is really fun and a cool guy. Uh, the Shield leadership is only okay. I don't really miss it that much. Uh, and he can take Eye in the Sky with him, which is obviously less good when you don't get it every turn, but it's still a really good card. Uh, so I was like, I'm gonna put him in X Men and see what happens. And man. It, there's just like the opening lines of play are exactly the type of thing we were talking about, about X-Men getting off to an early lead and being able to carry that, right? The fact that you can set up, so like if you get 
for some reason you end up on hammers with Pryo. Uh, you can have the grunts go get the left hammer. Fury hops off of Beast, walks forward, gets the right hammer, and backs up. And then all you have three hammers on your side of the board first activation. Or kind of more realistically, if you lose priority and it's something like Cube and Spider Infected, uh, you have so many lines where like if they go get the center first, you can have the grunts double walk to one of their spider infecteds, grab that, Fury walks forward, grabs your spider infected, and still has the grunts within three to give them the reroll, which is uh, underrated as far as keeping those guys alive. Uh, the grunts always having cover, always still very underrated keeping them alive. And then if they do manage to kill that grunt, you still drop that spider on your half of the table, right? The range to pick up plus their base plus range two. make sure that when they die that cube or spider infected ends up on your side of the table so if they're not careful you can easily start up with like four of the cubes functionally on your half of the table and they get one <laughs> and that's just mean oh i love it that's um so as uh has fury made it into uh some of your builds when you have priority is he mostly a lose priority piece uh, he's most often a lose priority piece, right? Uh, I still think in every situation I have thought of, at least, when you win prio, you want to take secures uh, and get your pay to flips. And he's, you know, there's maybe a situation where if I'm playing another control team and we end up on, like, spider portals cubes or spider portal spider infected, he might make it in. But more often than not, <laughs> yeah, I'm ending up on a pay to flip and a mostly dead extract. And so in that case, I'm not going to bring him in, but if the extract is live enough, like he's not bad at pay to flips by any means, right? Um, four physical is nice on madmen. The three energy is fine on the other ones. And so there's probably a situation where you get live extract pay to flip that I would play him, but most of the games are when I lose prio. That makes sense. Um, so then it sounds like you don't have room for a voodoo or black cat, so you do not currently run a character that helps you with the, the, the singleton extracts. Is that the case? Yeah. Uh, I, I, so I don't have a cat. I don't have a voodoo. Uh, I don't have a dedicated spot for that. Um, I think I do have reasonably good tools for chasing, right? Um, I think Juggernaut with his card is a often reasonable choice to, you know, if Black Cat gets the thing and tries to run away, he can chase her and throw her long back into the party. Uh, and generally, you only have to catch Black Cat once, and then you can kind of contain her and deal with her. Uh, she yeah. usually, if she gets away twice, things have gone horribly wrong. Um, you know, Medusa with Royal Decree is quite good at chasing people. Like, Royal Decree and the Storm Leadership means Medusa can move a million miles and come bring people back to the party. Um, so... It is a situation where my roster is slightly weaker on those single extracts, but it hasn't been a huge problem yet. Yeah, it's definitely like I used to have Voodoo in, like even mm -hmm. before Adepticon, and there's been points mm -hmm. that I put him mm -hmm. back in. But what I found is if I had priority and I had one of my pay to flips and they dropped a singleton, I still didn't want to play Voodoo. Yeah, he's so and bad at pay to flips. It's just not. And so that's like, and, and it felt weird because it wasn't that long ago that I feel like I said that every roster should have voodoo in it. <laughs> um, and, 
and I'm just like, you know what? I just, I, I keep putting him in and then I just don't play him. Like even in the situations that I kind of thought, cause it's just like you factor in all the information or like what you have to sacrifice to fit a four in that spot. And you're just like, no, he's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I keep thinking like, should I be playing black cat? Um, and I, I haven't really settled one way or the other. So that's why I was very curious where, where you ended up landed. And I think I'm, I'm in a similar spot where I think, I think I can deal with the singleton extract issue other ways mm-hmm. if it comes, if and when it comes up, but we'll see, maybe if it, they become more popular again, then, then it's something to re- reevaluate. I am thinking about black cat again, specifically uh, in that I am undecided how worried I need to be about Malekith. Uh He's potentially very frightening. Uh, and I do think, one of his big weaknesses is he has no solution for conditions uh, and particularly stagger. So like if black hat just staggers Malekith every turn, that seems extremely punishing uh, for the Malekith player. And uh, there's some other big guys running around, you know, Magneto doesn't like being staggered either at all. Uh, and so if we do see more of the big guy meta taking shape and that keeps happening, I start thinking about black hat a little bit more. Um, but I'm still kind of in a wait and see spot there. Yeah. I ghost rider also really dislikes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing black cat quite a bit in my inhumans testing. Cause oh, just for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. She just, she's just so stupid like that. I feel like inhumans black cat might be best black cat. Really um, good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I just, I'm just cat staggering you every round. I don't have to do <laughs> anything else. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, what I was, what I've been thinking about with Malekith on the horizon is I keep meaning to give like a really big mind Loki test to X Men, mm-hmm. and I think when Malekith releases, if I play X Men in something, I think I'm just going to try out at mind Loki finally because I'm just be like, oh, all right, if I have to put someone on the middle, I'm just going to walk up Loki and catch Malekith within range four so he can't charge, and then if you walk uh, and then make an attack, I'm going to trickster away. And then later on, I'm going to just bow him off the point every round. Yeah, I mean, so the thing to be careful there is if you walk and pick something up in the center, you won't have the power for Trickster because you don't get first class. You don't get any of their discounts. And yeah, it's free absolutely. To Trickster. So um, I do like Mind Loki. Uh, the biggest reason I haven't spent a lot of time with him is the thing I touched on earlier, where my local better just loves Mystique. Holy God, is Mystique everywhere. And <laughs> uh, turning off all of Loki's reactions means he's just a def three, five health model and gets shot in the face really good, right? Like even ignoring how annoying it'd be from deception, Mystique is very good at just walking up and shooting Loki to death. Um, so that's kind of the only reason I haven't done more Loki testing, but if your meta isn't infested with Mystique everywhere, then I very much like him. Yes, I definitely don't have as nearly as much as much Mystique. Um, but yeah, that is something to be something to be very cautious of and uh, hope that you can get cover still from the leadership. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think that's something if like, if while Malekith is everywhere, it's like, eh, well, it seems like as good a time as any to really like give this Loki plan a test and see what Definitely. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm a little less worried about it, but I think people who want to battle in the middle have to have to think about that a little bit more because it's just like when he pops off, like he's gonna be one of those characters. It's like Reality Thanos. If Reality Thanos starts off swinging and gets loaded with power for the rest of the game, that game is gonna suck. Yeah, yeah, but he's, he's like the most snowball-y character we've maybe ever seen. 
right? Yes. Because like as soon as he starts hitting, he gets more power to hit harder. His leadership is entirely a snowball, where once you start killing stuff, you get more power and more positioning to kill more stuff. Uh, if his train gets rolling, it, you're in for a very bad time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we just got his card today. Um, so <laughs> like, today, this episode will release after LSO, but mm-hmm. this was you know recorded when we were just reading his card. So timey wimey, wibbly wobbly. But um, <laughs> uh, man, also getting a cost three. Like, let's push everyone. You know, from range three, a short push, no size restriction. Uh, man, Malekith is going to be everywhere. Yes. Uh, I'll be interested to see what his tail looks like, but certainly upon release, he is going to be everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I'm ready to try him. I'm, I've been ready to like dive into something new and experiment. So I'm certainly going to like give him my test. I'm not sure he's the end all be all of attrition, but he's certainly going to be a character that when he starts swinging, when he comes out strong, it's going to, I think it's going to be a rough snowball, but my concern is, is like what happens if he comes out and he whiffs like yeah um so we just recorded a taco truck yesterday talking about mini stravaganza um news and stuff right and so we talked about malekith a bunch there and i don't i think kind of no matter what he's probably not a leader and character for me because he does have those games right where um start of the game he's gonna walk forward charge someone and he's going to be on zero power then, so no skull crits, and it's just seven dice, which is not a small amount of dice, but for a seven threat, that's not a crazy high number. And if those like initial seven dice go poorly, he's in such a bad spot, right? Like, um, it's likely most games the snowball will get started, right? He reminds me a lot of uh, Black Swan, who I have, uh, I've got one dude in my meta who loves Black Order and is playing a lot of Black Swan. Uh, And she's kind of a similar design where everything she does is based on the dice and she rolls dice very often and has big pools of dice. So typically things go her way, but every once in a while, you know, every five games, every 10 games, the dice abandon her and she feels like crap. And Malekith is a kind of similar problem where um, outside of the card we just saw today, which is changing my thought process. (laughs) Um, But outside of that, if he rolls like all blanks, he does nothing. Right. And that's, worrisome for someone like me who enjoys consistency and guaranteed effects what i'm worried about is malekith in september after um fury senior comes out because the play pattern of senior walking forward shooting someone auto generating a power and then teleporting malekith to the middle like Mm -hmm. literally within range one of the points so he doesn't even have to charge and he's got two power for re-rolling skulls uh yeah, that's going to be way scarier. <laughs> yeah, you can just do that next man. You don't even need Fury Senior. I know. That's actually, uh, Dizzard had mentioned it on their episode, and I got questions already. You're like, <laughs> oh, are you going to play Malekith in X Men? And I was just like, I mean, I don't think it's a weird thing to be like, yeah, there's a big 65 millimeter base that loves teleports. Why don't I try him in X Men? Because his charge doesn't quite get him onto the point, which I think mm-hmm. is a really important distinction. Yes. And, and so. It is something that I'm willing to try. And I actually think seven is a slightly easier um, threat level to work with than six for X-Men. That may okay. seem weird, um, but I feel like a lot of times playing a six, like if I lose priority and I'm getting stuck on a center, I'm usually playing my extracts, which means we're probably playing at 17. Mm-hmm. And like playing a six does weird. It means you have to go like three, 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 two, six. Yes. 
And then like that two doesn't really do that much for you. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's an extract holder, but it's not, it's not crazy. Um, I think some of the math just works out in interesting ways. Like say, Oh, if we're playing at 20 on alien ship or something, right. Um, the math of being able to do three, 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 four, seven is actually really cool. And it fits in like all of your key tech. You're like, Oh, I can have rogue in that spot or I can have Panther and I can still play like my great affiliated threes. Um, I think there's uh, I I think there's some ways that seven just kind of works a little bit better, but no, um, I totally agree with that. Right. Um, Kind of like exactly what you said is part of why I ended up moving away from Hulkbuster in that, like, I really liked Hulkbuster, but in almost all situations where I was losing prior and needing to fight, Hulkbuster Toad is not as useful as Rogue Medusa, right? Um, and just the math very much is more awkward for sixes. Fives and sevens are more interesting to me as the expensive pieces in X-Men than a sixes. Yeah, and maybe that changes down the road if we get like a Jubilee or something, like an interactable affiliated two. Oh, that for does sure. Something yeah. really cool for the team. Like that's one of my main wants. Like my main X Men wants are like, give me a long mover. <laughs> like <laughs> if I could have uh, an Archangel or a Nightcrawler or someone who fits in in a nice t- three or four slot that's a long moving character. You know, oh, I love God, that. Yes. And then give yep. me a give me a two that has a three physical, three energy and not slow move and that can interact and like, I'm going to be pretty happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's right. I was trying to make Hulkbuster work and, you know, it's like we talked about off, off podcast that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, Hey, let's try to solve one of our worst matchups, like uh, um, criminal syndicate on scoundrels yes. with our extracts. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, shout out to sploosh for winning that game in the yeah. league. Mm-hmm. Great game to watch, by the way. Check out the Danger Room uh, Twitch channel or a YouTube, as I think also reposted it. Yes. Um, but it was a great game of him playing X-Men into Scoundrel Spiders, which is the worst possible situation, you know, versus Criminal Syndicate. Um, and the way he plays plays out of that situation was was fantastic, very well done. And like obviously, the, he needed some key things to go his way, but the way he orchestrated it um, was was awesome. And I think that's that's a dread matchup for anyone. And to get it in like kind of an official setting, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure any X Men player knows what Swoosh was going through and was like, oh Jesus. Yeah, but, he definitely uh, did a very good job identifying his out early on when his opponent. Um, brought Kingpin forward to hold the center point. Um, and I think a lot of P players might not recognize that if they do that, you know, being X-Men, you're very good at early attrition. Um, and if you can pour a bunch of stuff into Kingpin, he's not invincible, right? You have the damage to bring him down. And if you can do that early enough, uh, then Scoundrels becomes better for you than your opponent at that point, right? Like if you remove the kingpin leadership from the equation, that matchup changes a lot. And Sploosh did a very good job identifying, seeing that out and going for it, um, which was very cool to see. Yeah. And even though I mentioned like some dice had to go his way, there was some really interesting like order of activation decisions and stuff mm-hmm. like having Maw throw before attacking because Kingpin has no power. So he can't brace. There's lots of yep. little decisions yep. in there that Sploosh did perfectly. So yep. listeners, if you're, if you're X-Men fans or if you just want to like beat criminal syndicate, like 
uh, that's definitely a, a game to watch for sure. Absolutely. Um, so uh, past that, have, have the tactics card decisions for you for X-Men led to any interesting revelations? Um, you are leaning on the uh, advanced R&D over... Um, uh, over some of the other ones, correct? Yeah, so I have Advanced R&D and Brace as the two restricted cards. Um, Brace just still feels incredible. Uh, you don't take it every game, but the games you need it, it's amazing. Uh, R&D, I do miss Sacrifice, right? Uh, I think if I wasn't playing R&D, it would absolutely be Sacrifice, no question. Um, but the amount of plays R&D has opened up for me has been really important. Um, I think past that, there's probably not anything too spicy in here, right? I have first class and to me, my X-Men, which are both great cards. I have no matter the cost because that's way too useful. Um, and getting stuff off of X 23 early or, um, at some point we should talk about, I don't have Wolverine in my Coloss and Colossus in my roster anymore, but I do, we should talk about them. Cause I do think they're underrated. Um, and then, you know, I've got Juggernaut's card because that card's great. I have Eye in the Sky because I was playing Escort to Safety in a lot of situations. Eye in the Sky is just better. Uh, I have Follow Me because Follow Me is probably the best non-affiliated card in the entire game and should definitely be restricted if not banned. Well, you uh, already know how I feel about that one. <laughs> I, was, I was really, really surprised looking at that list. And maybe it's because I just did like two months of criminals abusing mm -hmm. Follow Me and being like, mm -hmm. this card is not okay. And then to like see mm -hmm. the new restricted list and have them see they're smart enough to like preemptively like get the disarm yeah. restriction in there, which I thought was very proactive and very smart. Agreed. Um, but then to just like follow me not being <laughs> on there. I'm just like, even, even if like, this is the thing I want people to grasp. Like, even if you're not playing an attrition team, right? How many mm -hmm. games, like th those games where you're like, this is close. I need a big play to win the game or to mm -hmm. turn this back into my favor or to lock in a win basically every game you're ever in that situation follow me could facilitate that where you're like okay i have priority now i need to do something big and just you're, you're like deliberating do i do this character or this character because this is the best one to like activate and like do the most work but this one's about to get dazed like what do i mm -hmm. do just do both like yeah yeah um, it Reminds me a lot of the play patterns. Like it feels like a more expensive and worse all you've got, but even a worse all you've got is still an insanely good card where um, it has that same play pattern of like, I'm just going to do a lot of stuff at once and you don't have any say in this. You just have to watch it happen, right? Like with all you got, I'm just going to, you know, beam your whole team four times. It's going to feel real bad for you. Uh, and then sure, you'll get a response afterwards. But if I do enough work, the response doesn't matter. And follow me is similar where it's like, okay, this character is going to do all of their attacks. The second character is going to do all of their attacks and throw you around and do whatever it wants to. Yes, you get a retaliation, but if they do enough work, it doesn't matter. Um, and so there's a lot of like similar play patterns to what you used to see with all you've got, which makes me suspect if this cards get more popular, like it should, it will almost certainly get restricted or removed. Yeah, I, I 100, 100% agree. It's just it, what it fundamentally does. And, and, and like, and I think the, the main thing where I just want to slightly elaborate on what you said, I think mm -hmm. worst case scenario, 
it's a wor- <laughs> it's a worse all you've got. Yes. It's best case scenario, it can be even better than all you've got because you basically accomplish the same thing with no downside. Yes, 100%. <laughs> um and so it's it's uh yeah, it's it's just kind of crazy. And and I think it I think part of it comes from a mentality of people don't think as much about the cards that influence turn mm-hmm. 5 right Mm -hmm. and you know turn four like it's really easy to think about how good the cards are when you're playing them round one and round two very consistently yes yep follow me is not usually that Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah and so i I think that's one that probably could be in almost any roster and it's going to take some interesting decision points um for when when do you fit it in Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's it's certainly in the roster 100 percent so um all right well uh i think we're gonna dive into some more x-men stuff and keep chatting but i need to save a little something for the bonus episode so mm-hmm. we're gonna close out the main episode here listeners i hope you enjoyed uh, you know another player's perspective on x-men i'm getting quite you know i get asked for x-men episodes and links all the time i, <laughs> I keep you know there's been a number of times i'm like at dinner with my girlfriend and she's like what are you doing now like another person asked for the links <laughs> And they ask the same question. So I'm sending them like my, my favorite two X-Men episodes, a couple of the episodes from danger room and just like Mm -hmm. getting it all out there. And I've been really enjoying hearing about your testing. So I thought it'd be super fun to get some of your thoughts because it's, it is, it's fits into the same like strength that I think all X-Men players are getting at, but you, you Mm -hmm. definitely have your own like ghost deer, um, specter elk, um, (laughs) ghastly moose, you know, stamp of approval, um that makes it kind of your own your own thing and so i'm really excited for listeners to hear about that but if they want to hear more um uh from ghost deer where do, where do they check out your stuff yeah uh so the easiest place is the alfredo size three taco truck a marvel crisis protocol podcast uh if you search that on pretty much any platform you can find us um we have a twitter uh, I have my own Twitter on Ghostier6. If you want to just DM me, I'm on Discord in basically every Marvel Discord as Ghostier. Um, so you can just DM me, find me there. There's an Alfredo's Discord. Um, yeah. If you want to talk to me about X-Men or any of the other factions I dabble with, like Guardians or Asgard, uh, I'm very easy to find. It should not be difficult. Yes. And you seem like you're often bored at work and totally ready to <laughs> hop into some discussions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well i i appreciate it well listeners make sure to go check out some uh some sweet ghost deer content um and then i'm gonna say the most op thing that you can do is use mordo to advance r&d to your characters and set up some great plays where you then get the deal damage to x23 that she just heals back anyway and you tell your opponent yeah mordo's not just for convocation 